Breaking down Wisconsin basketball. This is The Swing with Zach Heilprin and Jesse Temple on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome back in. We're talking just uh, less than 24 hours after Wisconsin pulled off their first win at the Breslin Center with fans in the stands since 2004. I know a lot of people don't like to hear that. I don't. I, I mean, they, it's essentially two straight because they went there on Christmas last year and won. But yes, with fans in the stands, first time since 2004, Bannergate, as someone as some may remember it as uh, that that game 2004, Michigan State could have clinched the Big Ten with a win. They had already hung their banner, getting ready to unfurl it when uh, when they beat Wisconsin. Apparently, some players from Wisconsin saw it, uh, didn't take kindly to it, ended up beating them in overtime, 68-64. Flash forward 18 years, Wisconsin goes into Breslin Center, gets another win. It was, I don't know, I think unexpected. This is not the a great Michigan State team, but a lot better, I should say, a lot of Wisconsin teams have gone into that arena and uh, fallen apart, and this one did not. Obviously, Wisconsin played good defense in the first half, continuing a trend from the Penn State game, which set basketball back 80 years, or at least a decade to the Big Ten championship game when they played. But I, I thought what they did in the second half offensively, especially Johnny Davis, um, is what lifted them to this win. To me, the biggest play of the game was Michigan State had closed the gap. They had a 9-2 run. It was the closest the Spartans had been since it was 4-2 early in the game. And Johnny does a dribble pull-up and buries it, gives Wisconsin a little cushion with a three-point lead. It just kind of took over. Didn't matter what number jersey he was wearing. You can tear all of his jerseys. I guess, uh, you know, he, he got mad about it or something. And he looked like the National Player of the Year front row that we've been talking about. Because for a few games, I think that conversation was uh, starting to fade away. It was. The, the timing on their campaign for him, National Player of the Year, not ideal, right? <laughs> um, heading into the Penn State game where he did struggle. And, and you know, the thing about him is, and we've talked about this all season, is it's not just the scoring that he does. He contributes in so many different ways. He had games of 15 rebounds. I mean, I think he's had three games of 15 rebounds. He's performed in other ways, but when they need him is when they go on the road, like last night or like at Purdue, and they need him to be the national player of the year, Johnny. And he was. And it wasn't just, you know, obviously the 9-2 run was big, but it, almost every time they got close, uh, yeah. he had the answer. Every time it would get to a single possession, he would come down with an answer on the other end. And I, that's what great players do. And Johnny is a great player. He hasn't necessarily been playing great offensively. He's been playing great in a bunch of different ways. But last night, he was great offensively, shooting the ball eight for 11 and getting 25 points on 11 shots is uh, good, I think. <laughs> okay, it's pretty good. Much more efficient, and obviously the game plan of most teams, and we heard it you know, with the Illinois game as well, him taking 19 field goal attempts and scoring 22 points, the 22 looks good, but if it's that difficult for him to get his points, um, that, that's good news for the defense. Now, in that game, Johnny was able to get to the line, made 11 of 14. Didn't matter because Kofi Coburn looks like uh, an NBA lottery pick. That was an unbelievable performance. I, I'm we haven't talked since that game, but Johnny in particular, um, he's just a stone cold assassin. <laughs> His face doesn't really change, kind of like Chucky Hepburn. And even though he acknowledged this week, I think that he'd been 
pressing a little bit. And I think there were times that you could clearly see when he was trying to force something and he's the number one guy on everybody's scouting report. What he did against Michigan State really showed his ability to battle back from his worst game of the season to two for 13 performance against Penn State in which he scored four points and dropped out of the top 10 nationally in scoring. He came back with a vengeance and uh, certainly want to give credit to the other Badgers players who helped Wisconsin win. But Johnny, in the second half, you're exactly right. That's, that's what Wisconsin needs to beat the upper echelon programs. He can score in so many ways, and it's almost unguardable at certain times, especially some of those pull-up jumpers for sure. But when he can post up a guy who's his size and fade away with the height he gets on his shot, I don't know how a guy his size can defend it. And when those are going in, Wisconsin is extremely difficult to deal with. No doubt. And we'll let, we'll get into all this uh, before we get any further. Going to be joined by Bart Torvik uh, from T-Rank. He, has, he joined us last year, gives a great explanation of the analytics behind everything. And Because I think there's been a lot of questions about this team and where they are in the metrics and where these uh, predictive analysis uh, websites have them. And it, and it hasn't necessarily been positive. Like in years past, it felt like they've been overrated in some of these. And th- and th- this year's pretty underrated. Uh, as if you look right now in Ken Palm, they are still below Iowa. They are below Ohio State. They are sitting at number 23 in the country, one spot ahead of Marquette. A lot of reasons for it, but Ken Palm is what it is. I know that uh, Bart's website has it a, li- a little bit different. But again, we'll get into all those things with him coming up here in a little bit. But do you want to talk about the Illinois game? I feel like that's so... F- far away other than to say what you know you kind of already said it Kofi Coburn against Wisconsin is just unstoppable I mean the dude's averaging well over 20 points a game he's close to 10 rebounds he's shooting 72 percent from the floor in his four games against the Badgers they have no answer for him and when they can't stop him it opens up everything else so there's that's no surprise especially you know when you're not getting an efficient really good scoring performance and also when you go Three for 24 from three, there, those are all things that are probably yes. not going to add up in your favor, right? It, it was a really, really bad shooting game for them. Yeah, I mean, it's worth addressing because right now, as we're speaking, there's a three-way tie for first place in the Big Ten. It's Wisconsin, it's Illinois, and Purdue. Um, Illinois has – each team has an X factor, but with Coburn, I mean, it was like watching, I don't know, a varsity player against middle school players. Uh, Stephen Crowell and Chris Vote have been really good for Wisconsin this year, but Coburn is just on another level. And for him to finish with 37 points, it was just so easy at times. I, I went and looked because I wondered, us oh, where does 37 points rank as an opponent uh, individual performance in against Wisconsin in history? It's it's not even in the top like 12 or 15. There's 12 players that have scored at least 40 points. Some really good players on that list. Wisconsin um, was pretty bad at basketball for a while. Yes, a lot of those uh, 1960s, 1970s. Um, but, I mean, it's it's kind of funny to see these names, like Rick Mount, Glenn Big Dog Robinson, Pete Maravich is in there, Bill Bradley for Princeton had 47. And this one I didn't know, Terry Dishinger from Purdue in 1962 dropped 50 on Wisconsin. So that's, <laughs> that's the record. But still, 37 points uh, for Kofi was... Yeah, it was just he was on another level. Um, but, you know, that that it's clearly developing into this three team race for who can win. And Purdue going out and beating Illinois 84 to 68 in West Lafayette makes it much more interesting now. It was a 38, 36 game, I think, at halftime. 
yeah, Illinois was up by two, and then Purdue blew the doors off him, outscored him 48 to 30 in the second half. Yeah, um, Jaden Ivey had his moment yes, uh, last night. He had finished with 26 points, uh, and he had six assists. Him in the open floor is uh, a sight to behold. He is fantastic, uh, especially in the open floor. But he, I mean, he did it in a number of different ways last night, but his, you know, his ability to get up and go is, I don't think there's too many other guys like him uh, in college no. basketball right now. He's, he's a special guy in transition and I don't, I don't see too many other guys like him in the country. So it, I would say just in general, I know we're still in the middle of the season here, but what Purdue has done this season with the players that it has makes Wisconsin's performance in West Lafayette and Johnny Davis dropping 37 and the Badgers getting out of there with a win even more impressive. That's the only home loss Purdue has all season. The Boilermakers are 13 and one at home. They've won six straight to surge into this three-way tie for first place and they're 21 and three overall. So it just looks better and better for Wisconsin's postseason resume, much like that early season win against Houston. Even if some people in the, the metrics world may disagree, but I know we'll get into that. Yes, we will. However, before we move on from and get to the Michigan state game, the Penn state game, Holy ball. Oof. Um, that was, it was reminiscent of 2011 and the Big Ten tournament. Wisconsin fell behind 18 to two in that game, so there was at least some offense from one side. But the game on Sunday uh, on Saturday was lower scoring in the first half than that game was. Now they found some offense in the second half, but that uh, the shooting performance continues to be a uh, concern. Well, yes, and Penn State opened the game missing 19 of its first 20 shots, at least the Nittany Lions had an excuse. They were delayed. They got in a day late. It was basically a day trip. So, okay, maybe their legs were uh, sore or still on the point. I don't know what Wisconsin's excuse was. Um, and for that game to be 18 to 13 at halftime, hey, great defensive performance by Wisconsin. Offensively, there are stretches where, and, and full games, obviously, where it leaves much to be desired. Um, and that's kind of what makes you worry about what happens for Wisconsin in the postseason. But I just, I don't know how many times I envision in the big moments, Johnny having a game like that. If you look at his numbers and what, and I think this was on big 10 network, uh, a little graphic that came up during the Michigan state game. He is so much better against ranked opponents. He just seems like a guy who rises to the occasion in those huge moments. I don't know if I see a game like that from him again, this season. What happened in this game? It, it's it's kind of what the your concern is about Wisconsin, right? I mean, it's the inability to to shoot the ball, especially from deep. Uh, and we saw that in the first half. We saw that against Illinois. It remains a a concern, and yet they've, as we've said all season, they've found ways to win. And I, I thought the you know look, they got down forty to thirty six at one point. It was a four point game, and Penn State had all the momentum. Great guard called timeout. They come out of that, and. Stephen Crowell, and I don't want to say he took over by any stretch, but he hit a couple of huge threes and then also uh, had a couple of assists. He had a hand in 11 of the 13 points in a 13-0 run that put them up 49-40. to 40. And, you know, they obviously had to hold on for dear life and, and hope that a bank three didn't go in. But they've seemed to have had the answer when things get down to the wire. And we'll talk about that, you know, with Bart Tarvik uh, coming up here in a bit, just their ability to, to win close games and how rare it is for a team to be as good as they are in, in winning close games and what kind of impact that's had on their metrics, but they find a way. And whether it was pretty or not, I, I guess it's irrelevant to us because 
they just found a way. They, and they found a way continuously almost every single game, especially in tight ones. Yeah, and you can use whatever you word you want, whether are, are they clutch, are they lucky? In that Penn State game, for example, the, just when the Badgers got enough breathing room, Brad hits a three and Wisconsin's up 49 to 40. Under a minute left, it's tied at 49 all. And it takes Tyler Wall making a great drive from the wing for a layup to give Wisconsin the lead. That ultimately was the, the deciding factor in the final points because Penn State missed a three right at the end of the game. Um, but I think it's the fact that they have done this repeatedly in close games leads me to believe that it is just kind of a skill of this team um, that they have something within them to be able to pull themselves together and play with composure to win a lot of these games. You know, when you, when you are in as many as Wisconsin has 12 at this point, and you've only lost one of those, I think that says a lot, even if some of those games, a lot of people would say shouldn't have been that close. They're still winning these games. You see plenty of good teams across the country losing to teams that they have no business losing to. I also agree with those people though, that they, probably shouldn't have been close. Like there are, there are some That's games, fair. there are some games that they should not have been six point games, whether I think that the Penn state game probably is, is evidence of that. I'd go back and say the Northwestern game, the Maryland, well, yeah, the Maryland game for sure. When you have a 20 point lead uh, and, and blow that, I don't know. I, Ken Palm has their, their uh, luck ranking third in the country. I love that that exists. Yes. And uh, this winning all these close games certainly has to be a part of that. And one of their losses came against a team that has the best uh, luck ranking. That would be Providence. So when you're, I think you're, I think you're right in the idea that I don't know if you took us, uh, took us a a, uh, stance on whether it's luck or clutch or whatever it is, but I think that there's a mix of all those together, right? Like they've found ways to win. It's not just pure luck. They have, have had to execute. They've been the better team in, in tight moments than their opponents almost every time every time this year. And I some of that has to be luck, but some of it also has to just be a better play from them than compared to their opponent. Like you get some lucky bounces here and there, right? But it has you have to actually go out and play. You have to actually go out and make those plays. I do think when the amount of close games stack up in the way that they have and the Badgers have won nearly all of them, that at a certain point it is maybe this is a part of the DNA and the fabric of this team, and it is one of the reasons that the Badgers are as good as they have been. And, and, And again, some of those games shouldn't have been that close, but other games against good teams that plays a factor too, that they're able to win those close games. I sort of think of a a baseball team that has a ridiculously high winning percentage in games that they're down or that are tied or something after the seventh inning, certain teams just are able to be successful in those areas. And frankly, that's exactly what it's going to take in the NCAA tournament. It seems like every year, no matter how good a team is, there's at least one game where you are just slogging along and it could go either way. And I think, this team seems to have the traits that can pull the Badgers out of that and get them into the next round. And it doesn't hurt to have a national player of the year candidate to take over. Yeah, definitely doesn't. When you look at this Michigan state game, mm-hmm. where, where would you put it in terms of their most impressive wins this year? Cause I think, I think Purdue and Houston is at, at the top. Would this be the yeah. third? Wow. I probably have to go down and look at, every game but but yeah i would i would say so first of all it's a road game at the breslin center 
Uh, Which doesn't obviously, happen. as you said before, you don't go in and win very often there, even though Michigan State has scuffled at times and, and lost games that perhaps the Spartans shouldn't. There were still stretches of that game where I thought, okay, crowds behind Michigan State, it's a close game. Spartans seem to be getting on a run. They're going to figure out a way to pull ahead. And Wisconsin just didn't let it happen, whether it was Johnny, whether it was somebody else. I would certainly put it to me in the top three based on some of those other factors. You know, the first two that you mentioned, those are the top teams in the country. One, obviously, on the road, one at a neutral site. And at the time, frankly, I don't think anyone thought that victory was going to be as big of a deal as it was. It was November. It's before Thanksgiving in the in the Maui Invitational. And as it's turned out, Houston's been a really good team. But Michigan State on the road in a top 20 matchup, certainly in the top three. I didn't think there was, I'll be honest, coming off that loss to Rutgers, I thought Michigan State was going to have, you know, play hair on fire and beat the crap out of them. I just did. Like we saw that the last time they had, they had to stew over that loss to Northwestern when they came to Madison and they came in and fought their butts off at the Cole Center and, and played hard and was just the tougher team. And they actually hit shots. Last night, and I think Tom Ezra talked about it afterwards, they didn't play like that. And it just doesn't make any, that doesn't make any sense to me. That's that's not a Tom Ezzo team that comes out flat like that. And, you know, obviously hitting shots and can kind of generate moment, uh, energy and that type of stuff within a building. But you just got your you just got handed by 20 points by at Rutgers like that doesn't happen to Michigan State. And for you to come out and play the way they did was a huge, huge surprise to me. Uh, certainly, you give Wisconsin credit for it, but Michigan State—you got to be—you got to be better than that, don't you? Coming off of that loss. Well, yeah, that's why they're not, you know, right now one of the top three contenders in the Big Ten. They just haven't been consistent enough, and I, I'm Wisconsin certainly deserves a lot of the credit. I'm thinking that as you're talking in terms of what hasn't been all that impressive. I mean, I thought. Joey Hauser really didn't play very well. He missed all five three-point attempts that he took. He went three for 10 from the field. And certainly Hauser, and the, and the Hauser name has a, a lot of uh, uh, ties to Wisconsin and the Badgers program. It's, it's kind of interesting the way things have played out. Um, he just wasn't very good. <laughs> and I think there have been a lot of games where he hasn't, I guess, played to what I thought he would be. Yeah, I mean, he had a he had a huge game against Wisconsin last year, the one, um, the only time they played, I think, uh, on Christmas Day. He had a big game, but you look at his stats against Wisconsin this year. Has I mean, he went one for five in Madison. He went three for ten last night. He he, he hasn't been good by any stretch, and um, you know, things you hate to see, I guess, uh, <laughs> is is what I think probably Wisconsin fans are saying. Really, really hate to see that. Uh, all right, let's get into our interview with uh, Bart Torvik. Really, really good interview. A lot of really good information. A lot of people asking questions about why the computers hate Wisconsin. We asked Bart about that. Here is that interview. And we welcome in Bart Torvik for his, what I think is going to be an annual appearance, Bart, but uh, from T-Rank. Much of the season, we've gotten questions. Uh, in most years, it feels like Wisconsin is a little bit overrated in the metrics. You know, they always seem a little bit higher than, than maybe they should. This year, it's the complete opposite. They have some of the more impressive wins in the country, specifically at Purdue and on that neutral court against Houston. 
And yet, for whatever reason, they have almost always been either in the 20s or low teens or in the 20s. I think at points this year, they've been in the 30s, whereas the human polls have kind of liked them a little bit more. You're on here to defend all math and everyone's analytics here. Can you tell us why the analytics do not like Wisconsin as much as what appears to be a a pretty good team on the floor? Well, I can try. Um, (laughs) You know, the... Ultimately, it's pretty simple in that most of these systems, almost all of them, certainly mine and Ken Palm, is some sort of adjusted scoring margin. Um, and obviously the, the secret sauces and the adjustments, but they all kind of start with looking beyond the wins and losses. And the easiest way to do that is look at how much did they win by and how much did they lose by. And if you look at Wisconsin, they've won a lot of games and they haven't lost very many, but they've won a lot of games by just a few points and some of them against pretty crappy teams. Um, so that it, it's really in that adjustment of the scoring margin that the, the downward adjustment of Wisconsin happens. Obviously, they've played a great schedule. Um, but what I think people really kind of overlook is close games against terrible teams. Um, you know, like the Badgers played those two, um, close games over Christmas break against Illinois state and nickel state. Um, and those are bad teams that good teams should blow out. And, you know, any good system is going to say, well, it doesn't matter much if you blow those teams up by 20 or 50, but if you beat them by three or four, that's, that's going to hurt you in a, uh, adjusted scoring margin system. So that's basically what's going on. The Badgers, I think are either 10 and one or 11 and one in games does that decided by six points or less. And, you know, the, the computers look at that and say, well, they probably should have lost a few more of those games. And honestly, if the Badgers had lost a couple more games, like two more games, they'd probably be in a, basically the same spot in the computer rankings. And then they would probably be 15 to 20 spots lower in the human rankings and it really is just those one or two games or two or three games. That's the difference between the two, the two kinds of systems. Mark, how much of a factor in the metrics on the flip side are the quality wins that Wisconsin does have? Because I feel like that's the thing that one of the things that stands out about this team, first of all, all four losses are what would be considered quad one losses. So there isn't really a single bad loss, even though there have been, I guess what you would call consider bad wins or too close wins against bad teams. But how do you factor that into the mix about what their record is against quad one, quad two teams and the actual losses that they have? So, you know, I think most systems don't, they don't use these buckets of quad one and quad two. Certainly you get more credit for playing well against good teams. And if you look at, at my site, for instance, and go on the Wisconsin page, um, on the kind of the far right side of the of the schedule table is the game score column. And you can see uh, it's kind of a zero to 100 rating of every game. And if you play well against a good team, you're going to get up in the 90s. And the Badgers have a lot of those games, you know, like uh, Houston is a 100. That's a, as good a game as you can play. Last night, currently, you know, Michigan State at Michigan State, a 97. Um, so you, you do get credit for them. But um what I think happens is that humans tend to just totally disregard the other games. They just don't count unless you lose like those nickel state and Illinois state games, like out of, they're just in the past, the Badgers won, they don't matter. Um, Mm -hmm. And 
So like, and, and that's the way the committee does it. And it's not, it's not, I don't want to belittle that because um, it is the kind of core issue in trying to figure out how good college basketball teams is, is this problem of we have almost 400 teams, about 200 of them are really bad, <laughs> you know, <laughs> compared to the top 100. And so those, those games between top 50 teams and bottom 100 teams or bottom 200 teams are kind of an unusual thing in sports, but on the flip side, that's why we need, I think that's why people care about Ken Palm and T rank and those kinds of systems is because there's no way to just easily evaluate um, a team's schedule just by looking at it. You can't just look at a record for instance, and say who can't sort by record and say Murray state's obviously the best team because they're 20 and two or whatever. Um, so the, the, the big wins obviously do matter and the opponent quality is part of the adjustment. It's just not as monumental as humans think they are in the, in the system. And, you know, humans can, can be right about that, but I think it's, I think they tend to get a little bit carried away with it. So how do the computers then look at teams that aren't full strength in some of these games? Can they do that? Because if you look at the, you know, we mentioned the nickel state game, and I know Nickel State's not good, so you should blow them out no matter who's on the floor if you're Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. But Johnny Davis didn't play in that game. If Johnny Davis plays in that game, is it is it a a, a tight game? I, I mean, I don't know. They played Illinois State right there, and it was a tight game, and he he needed yeah. uh, they needed he needed to play 43 minutes to get that win. But like how do I, and the, and you know the Providence loss uh, came without Johnny on the floor. So like how do you or do you at all? take those into consideration. Is there any kind of a spot for that type of stuff? Well, not, no, is the short answer. Um, just because it's, um, too difficult. Um, and it's just a very difficult problem when you're dealing with 358 teams. And also those uh, on average, those kind of absences make less difference than you might think. Like there's plenty of, plenty of examples of a team, missing their best player playing better than you would expect. Um, it's just, there's just so much variance built into the game of basketball that it's hard to find the signal in those kinds of things. So it's just better not to try from a computer perspective, obviously from a human perspective, that stuff matters. And that's kind of an exercise left for the, the, you know, the, the readers of these sites. And I do have a, a, a an ability, like if you go to Johnny Davis's, um, page on my site and click on the number of games. It's kind of hidden. Then the 21 games, you'll get a version of the stats that are only games that Johnny played in the rankings. And I just did this. And, and in that scenario, Wisconsin's ranked 16th instead of 18th. So they do move up a little bit. Um, if you exclude those two games he missed, and then obviously you've also got an excuse in the first Michigan state game, which Tyler wall missed. And, you know, if you watch those two games, you can certainly, set up a narrative that Tyler Wall is maybe a particularly important player in that matchup. Um, it was just a completely different game on the defensive side. Um, but on the other hand, if you watch two games between the same two teams and they have the same rosters, sometimes you get very different results too. So, um, you know, it's a fair, it's definitely in Wisconsin's particular case, a very fair argument for why um, the rankings, the computer ratings are too low on them. Um, and I'm not aware of any of the major rankings that attempt to take that into account. I know BPI used to back to when it was run by Dean Oliver. Um, but I think he just ran, you know, it ran into some problems logistically trying to keep track of 
the ins and outs of 358 um, teams. And then the other thing is, what would really be interesting is to what these teams, you know, is to have kind of a injured list and say, okay, so John Davis is going to miss the next game. So that should affect the predictions. Cause that's what these are really used for is to try to predict the future um, as best you can, but there's no injury report in college basketball. And even if, even if there were trying to keep track of that for 358 teams would be just a nightmare. I certainly think from a human perspective and an NCAA tournament committee perspective, they, I mean, they definitely look at that. The thing that I always think, find fascinating is when a star player gets hurt late in the season or something like that. And a team who's got a really good record might have a seed line that doesn't make any sense relative to what they did during the season. Cause their star player's gone. And like, I understand why the metrics can't account for that or, or even as you were saying, when Wisconsin loses to Providence or, or Michigan state, maybe two of their four losses, they haven't had one of their, top three players in the lineup. And I think it's, I guess it's easier from the human perspective to, to deal with that. Um, I wanted to ask you about just your overall rankings that you have to this point. Um, you've explained why Wisconsin is where it is, but seven of the 17 teams ranked ahead of the Badgers uh, have more losses. I mean, I just, what's your overall take on the way things stand and, um, you know, like I said, that almost half the teams have a worse record than Wisconsin. Is it, do you look at it strictly as well? They don't have as many close wins against bad teams. Um, basically that's what it comes down to is, you know, I think most people think Wisconsin is just a little bit lower than what their record is deserving of. Right. Um, and maybe a couple of those teams like, you know, Indiana's, is too high in my system right now, I think, and they're ahead of the Badgers. And most people would say that's wrong. And I would agree with them, but on, on the whole, you look at those 15 or so teams is, and you know, they're all, they all have pretty good records and resumes. Um, the one thing I did want to mention is that, you know, we talk about quadrant one wins and those kinds of things. And the Badgers have a great record in, in quadrant one games, but some of those wins, like one of their quarter on one wins is a home win over Iowa. Um, so it's hard to say like um, that Iowa is super overrated in Ken Palm and the net, and then also point to the Badgers quadrant one record as is showing why they're so deserving. Um, you kind of got to pick one, you know, and th that's gets to this distinction between the computer ratings and then the resumes you need kind of an underlying model of how good the teams are. And then you just, then you can have, you can look at their record against those teams and come up with a resume ranking. And I have a resume ranking right on the front page, the WAB, the last column. And, you know, unsurprisingly, the Badgers are, I think, third in that right now. And that is reflective of how good people think Wisconsin's season has been because it's been awesome. You know, they've had all these great wins and there's, there's computer ways to quantify that too. Um, and so maybe I should just resort the main page default by WAB and people wouldn't complain as much. <laughs> um, that's, that's, that's probably true. Uh, for you though, you're a Badger fan. When you look at your rankings, do you think that they are, number 18, or would you put them higher? Like in, cause you're a human, right? Yeah. But you also have put this together. So are they lower than you think they should be? 
I think maybe just a little, to be honest. Okay. And, you know, I'm a human who's actually watched every single game. So I did watch those Nickel State and Illinois State games. And I did watch um, the Penn State game the other night um, where they were up 18 to 13 at half. And then, you know, I think they actually lost the second half. So they played worse in the second half <laughs> as far as the score margin goes, although there's a little bit of a collapse at the end. But um, I think they're a little bit better. And, and obviously the X factor is that they have just a superstar um, who can change a game at any moment. And, you know, if Johnny plays the way he played against Purdue or even last night where he was just awesome again, they can beat anybody. You know, they, I was thinking of um, some of those Connecticut teams, you know, that made a run to the championship with yeah. a superstar. Um, and, you know, as a seven seed, that's the Badgers aren't probably not going to be a seven seed. They're going to be a four seed or a three seed or a two seed, but they've got that ability to just make a run because they have a player who's just um, can take over games and you don't need to, to run offense to score points. You know, I think we saw that last night. If Johnny is hitting these unguardable turnarounds, it's just like, you can't stop that. Um, we saw the flip side of it for a few games where if those shots don't go in, it's, it can be pretty ugly for the Badgers offense as a whole, but um, over a short stretch of games, if Johnny gets hot, they, they certainly could be uh, certainly could get to a final four. Um, but if Johnny has goes one for nine from the mid range in the first round against uh, 14 seed, you know, that could happen too. In, in your metrics, as you were talking before about all the close games, what do you define as a close game? I just define it as a game that ends with six points or less as the six points or, or, okay. or goes to overtime. So if it goes to overtime, it ends up being a 10 point game. I still count it as a close game. Well, I do think it's interesting that you, you have this list and it's probably worth pointing out that in close games, based on your metrics, Wisconsin is 11 and one um, <laughs> and no other team in the country has more than nine of those wins. And the only two that have nine are Boston university and James Madison's. So like, I guess I really hadn't considered that aspect of this, the ridiculous number of close games Wisconsin has played and the fact they've won 11 out of those 12. Um, it starts to make some sense to me, at least what you're talking about. It is extraordinary. I mean, that is a lot of close wins. I, I went back the other day and looked at previous seasons and there are whole seasons where nobody has more than nine close wins. Um, and so it is a remarkable thing. And, and, you know, this is a pretty old debate at this point as to whether that is just luck or I don't think anybody thinks it's just luck, but there's a debate about are there teams that are just good in close games that have, you know, an ability to turn it on when they need to. And there probably is to some extent, it's just probably not to a 92% winning percentage extent, you know? Um, so that's kind of where the rubber meets the road as far as the Badgers, the discrepancy between their, their resume and their computer numbers is they've just won more of these close games than you would expect to if you, if you re-ran the season. It seems like uh, looking ahead to the tournament, it seems like people are all over the map with it. And I guess that may have to, a little bit to do with the analytics behind it, but I've seen like, you know, last week or the week before that some people were talking about them as a one seed. I've seen other people talk about them as a five seed or a four seed. You have them, I believe right now as a four seed looking at this right now, but where do you think they end up? Do you in that two or three area? And does it, I mean, how, how I think we all know that the, 
selection committee factors a lot of different things in. How how much do you think that they actually lean on on the metrics to help them in, in seeding some of these teams like a Wisconsin that appears to be you know having all these great wins, but also the metrics maybe don't like them as much as um, uh, you know our eyes do. Um, I think the metrics play a minor role, um, and it's kind of a tiebreaker uh, role in a lot of cases. They the committee in my investigations, such as they are is very focused on quadrant one wins and quadrant two wins. And basically if you, if you come up with some sort of system where you assign points to quadrant one wins and a few fewer points to quadrant two wins and add it up, you'll have a pretty good working model of how the selection committee is going to operate. Um, it's not, you, you do need to supplement it with other things like Kempom and, and the power ratings because they, there will be outliers from, from that kind of simple model, but it's, you know, that's the other thing about this whole discussion about the computer ratings is they're not that important. You know, there people care about them for various reasons, including betting reasons, but the committee does not rely on them very much. Now they don't ignore them. I know Jerry Palm the other day was said that they're not even on the team sheets anymore. And then um, the, the David Warlock, the NCAA guy was like, no, that's wrong. They are, they're used. And, um, so they are used a little bit and, and obviously it's a committee of people who can do whatever they want. So it could change from one year to the next as well. But especially now with the net, um, being kind of a, basically a power rating, it's very similar to Kempom in the, in its results, um, with just sort of a little bit of bonus for winning, um, more than, Kempom gives, you know, I think they, they don't really need to rely on the other metrics anymore very much because the net basically is one. So, you know, if you have a really bad net and metrics and a really good resume, you know, you might be knocked down one seed line or something like that. So to go back to the basic question of where I think the Badgers will be, I mean, I, my best guess is, is what's on my site, which is a four seed. And it's a little bit different um, in that, I project towards the end of the season. So that includes um, the belief that the Badgers are the 18th best team in the country, you know, which means that they're probably going to lose a few games coming in. Um, you know, they certainly, if they continue to win games and have a great record coming in, they could easily get a two seed. I think, I, don't, I think a one seed is pretty much out the window, but um, if they win the big 10 and get to the big 10 tournament final uh, two seed is very much in play, I think. And well, Barty, Yes. You've got Wisconsin's projected record is 23 and seven, 14 and six in the conference. I think there's seven conference games left in the regular season. Uh, so what do you got? What's your, what's, what do your projections say about how the big 10 race closes out here since it's a three, three team tie for first place as we're discussing it. Well, the, the projections I run every night say that the Badgers have about a 25% chance of getting a share of the title um, and that Purdue and Illinois are kind of co-favorites um, with Purdue a little bit ahead, um, a little bit better than 50% chance. And I actually went ahead, I looked at the, uh, the betting markets today and they had uh, UW at uh, plus 400, so that's about 20%, and Purdue at minus 143, which is about 58%. So the betting markets are kind of agreeing with um, the computer numbers, unsurprisingly, right now. Um, I guess if 
if I had some money, like $5 to play around, I might put some on Wisconsin at plus 400. I think that that's, I think they've got a little better shot than 20% to win, to get a share of the title. Uh, one more thing before we let you go. You also have your, these are the funalytics, which I uh, appreciate the the name, but your player of the year standings, seven of the top 11 guys are, are from the big 10. Yeah. One, one, have you ever seen that before? And two, uh, who ends up being the player of the year? And I know, Obviously, the metrics don't decide that. Um, it feels like it kind of is driven by the national media uh, who ends up, you know, at the end of the day. And Johnny Davis certainly has support there. But have you ever seen anything like this in the Big Ten in terms of teams uh, of these type of players all being in the same conference and all essentially being in the national player of the year co- uh, conversation? No, it's crazy. Um, and frankly, uh, maybe four or five of them are big guys, right? Um, it's just a crazy year. And overall, the national player of the year is, seems to be wide open. You know, it's, for a while there, it seemed like people had anointed Johnny Davis as the front runner. And then that just sort of quickly disappeared. And, you know, you don't even hear him mentioned so much anymore the last week because um, he had a couple of bad games. And that's, it's such a close race and it's so wide open that that's the way it's probably going to go down at the end is who's ever hot at the end, you know, like, um, the Badgers play Purdue in the second to last game of the big 10 season, I think. And if both teams continue to win and if that's for the big 10 championship, uh, the guy who went, who scores 30, that game is probably big 10 player of the year, you know, um, that's the, or, you know, if Illinois wins the big 10 and Kofi has a big game against one of the other marquee matchups, um, because that's where he recently um, came, came to the forefront after just obliterating the Badgers. Right. Um, and all these guys are capable of those just transcendent performances. So I think it's going to be less stat driven than usual and more, you know, kind of who has the big performance on the big day near the end of the season. Yeah, it should be interesting. Wisconsin, uh, uh, Johnny Davis does have, as you mentioned, does have a few more opportunities to, I guess, on a big stage, especially at Purdue game uh, to perhaps stamp his candidacy and, and uh, he's showed up in some of the biggest games, certainly did last night against Michigan State. And we'll see. Uh, they're going to need him if they're going to make uh, a potential run in the Big in the Big Ten tournament and the NCAA tournament. Uh, Bart, thank you very much, as always. I really appreciate the insight and, and setting us straight on what exactly the math is saying. You're welcome. Anytime. All right. So we appreciate Bart jumping on. Really uh, good information. It's always good to hear how they think about it because we just see the we just see the metrics and be like that doesn't make any sense to me. And you, you go through it and with him and it's like okay, I kind of see it now. I think a lot. I think that's how a lot of fans look at it. Yeah, it, <laughs> when he laid it out there, I, I was thinking okay, that that does make sense. Like they beat Illinois State eighty nine to eighty five. They were in a close game against Nickel State, and a lot of people do forget that because Badgers ultimately won, and, and in the end, that's what matters. Unless you suffer a catastrophic loss, it's just like okay, on to the next. But if you're going to factor in how Wisconsin plays in, against good teams or close wins that they have, then it's worth factoring in the close wins that they have against bad teams. And this season, there have been a few more of those than I think. Wisconsin would like or certainly Badgers fans so it does make sense to me a little bit even though it's hard to think about are there really 17 teams that are better than Wisconsin right now 
I'm not sure that's the case, but purely from a metric standpoint, it's understandable how the numbers came to that conclusion. All right, let's get into our Twitter questions. Start with Bradley. He says, is it possible for Johnny Davis to be the national player year, but Tyler Wall to be the team MVP? I would say no. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I understand the point and the perspective, what Tyler's done, and we've addressed it many times, coming on strong offensively to be that third guy, and in some instances, the second guy, or Johnny's not playing well, he can take over. Um, it's, It's admirable. It's what you would, I think, expect from a junior, but no. He can't be the team MVP because Johnny is clutch in the most clutch moments. He is the guy. So Tyler is one of the MVPs, but it's Johnny. Tyler Wall, MVP or nah of the team? I'm going to say nah, but not diminishing his contributions because there are stretches where (laughs) – he just keeps scoring inside. If I was defending him, I would go insane. The way, the number of ways in which he is able to score when it looks like he has no business scoring, he might lead the country in that. He, he might, but I also think it's worthwhile to note that he was not, he did not force too much against Michigan State. No. Whereas I thought, you know, in this, this past month stretch, he has been, and, and you, we, I think we mentioned it earlier on, uh, he admitted that. There were some passes last night that were just fantastic. When two guys were coming to him and he found an open guy, I'm thinking Stephen Crawl in one play, mm-hmm. uh, Tyler Wall in another, like right under the basket for easy lay-ins. To Johnny? Uh, Is that the other one that you're talking about? I'm talking about, I'm talking about Johnny, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, no, I'm talking, I'm not talking about Tyler. I'm talking about uh, Johnny, like his, like when people, because of the attention he draws, it, it opened up a lot. And I think at times he's been ignoring those open guys. Uh, and, and I'm not necessarily saying they're even going to knock those shots down, but they're open shots and they have to take them. And they did. And they hit them for the most part last night. I think, honestly, I think if uh, in most games, I think Johnny could average like five assists, six assists a games if he wanted to, because, and assuming guys are hitting shots, because that's how much attention is paid to him. There are guys open. Uh, because they just focus so much energy on him and so many guys collapsing on him that there are open guys. And you have to certainly, you want to stop Johnny and force the other guys to beat you. I think teams are going to continue to do this and the, and the other guys needed to make them pay. And for the most part, they did that last night. And I, it just seems, I don't think he's going to average five or six assists every game. Cause that's just not, it's not going to happen, but I think he could, because there's, there's, that's the kind of attention that, is being drawn to him on a daily, on a, on a game to game basis. Ben asks, what do you think will be more important for Wisconsin down the stretch, their offense or their defense? Well, I'm inclined to say the offense, because I have a better sense of what they are defensively. Um, I, I just don't really think maybe that's not a fair answer. I, I just don't think it's going to be a huge issue defensively. Wisconsin, generally makes teams play its pace, but also as has been discussed throughout the season is playing at a a quicker pace offensively. It's can this team hit enough three pointers or not go through a cold stretch. That's going to prevent the Badgers from moving on. I, that, that to me is my answer. And it's why I think I look more at the offensive side. Maybe it's because I take what they do defensively for granted. Maybe that's not fair. (laughs) Uh, Todd says, uh, I thought Ben Carlson looked better. Mm-hmm. How come he didn't get more playing time to spell Tyler Wall? Well, 
Ben played five minutes and he got four points. He had a couple big buckets, obviously the alley-oop, which was one of the better offensive plays of the game. And then he had the other one off the out-of-bounds pass. But, um, I mean, I don't. Tyler's playing 32 minutes in a game like that. He's playing well. He's doing a lot of different things. So there's just not that many extra minutes available. It's, that's yeah. mostly my rationale, unless yeah. you've got something else. Like, I think Tyler's one of your two, three best players. So you're going to take him out? No, but they, at times, and we saw it in the first Michigan State game, their, they, their four was Jacoby Neath. So, I mean, they, here's the thing. It's actually, I think, a perfect illustration of why maybe Ben doesn't get as much time as, as people hope. Uh, you, you talked about the four points he'd had in the, the alley hoop, and then he also had a bucket where he cut and uh, Chucky Hepburn found him like just right underneath the basket and he laid it in. But the play right before that on the defensive end, Malik Hall had a wide open three-pointer. And after the play, you could see like Ben had gotten lost and you could see Brad Davison freak out like in, and in, in, like yell and point. And it looked like he was, and obviously we did not get to talk to Brad or Ben, but I imagine that was directed at Ben. And I think, you know, Greg Gard gets frustrated pretty easily, I think, on those type of things. And losing a guy like that is, is, is something that's normally going to get you taken out of the game. This one, it didn't. He came down, then he came down and, and got that lay-in. But I think that may be potentially, potentially something that's holding him back. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. Um, right. There probably isn't a question about this, but I just... They're not getting anything out of Jacoby Neath, really. <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm so surprised at how little they've gotten out of him, other than that he's taking up minutes to help some of the starters. He just, I don't know what, to, I, I don't know. That's a total aside, but he, <laughs> I, I, it's, it's just hard to believe. Uh, that's actually interesting uh, because Ryan uh, asks us, are you uh, surprised how the two transfer guys have struggled this season? <laughs> what a segue. I yeah. promise I didn't know that question was coming. <laughs> I am very surprised about Jacoby. And I know I said this on a previous show, but part of the reason I think is because of the expectations I had for him based on what Greg said in the off season about how much better he was when they actually saw him in person. Cause he was one of those three guys that they couldn't see in person during the evaluation period. I think vote was the other one and uh, Marcus silver because they signed him late. And it just, I mean, I know he's had some injuries and, and in the middle of the season, that's really tough, but he hasn't scored a point in any of the last five games, six of the last seven. He's only taken two shots in the last five games. I, I It's just kind of like a, a body out there. Vote, I, Vote has had his moments. I mean, he, you know what you're going to get from him. He's going in to set screens, to rebound. He can give you some points at times. He'll dive on the floor. I think he's been very good for what Wisconsin is asking him to do and what it needs when Steven Crowell isn't in the game. So yeah. that's kind of where I'm at on that. Do you have a, a take on, on the two transfers? I don't. I, I think it. you're right. Vote has given them something. And Jacoby, just, it's been a, a, I think it's been a tough season for him because of the injuries and COVID and illness. Like it, it but that, the further that gets away, the more you probably expect out of him. But he's given them something. I think he's a physical presence. He's a, a a guy that can rebound for his size. That's what he's giving you right now. He's offensively not a ton. You're right. But I do think that there's more 
than just, you know, offense for him. I think it has to be more than just offense for him, right? Yes. Um, because he's not giving yes. you anything there. He has to be given guard. Greg guard has to like other things that are happening uh, and other things that he's doing, but offensively you would hope for more. You're just not getting it right now. I'd say that's accurate. Uh, Megan says, given that UW got a revenge win against MSU and Ohio state, do you like their chances against Illinois? If they meet again, not if Kofi's on the floor, um, <laughs> I, uh, I don't, <laughs> he, who's going to stop him. Everybody got in foul trouble trying to defend him. I mean, maybe he gets in foul trouble or maybe he misses some early looks that he's supposed to make. It's just hard for me to think there's something else after the performance he had against Wisconsin the first time around. It just I feel like, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, if, if Wisconsin collapses, it opens up the three point shooter and if Illinois is hitting, they don't have a shot. Yeah. Um, and he was 16 for 19 from the field. It's preposterous. Yeah, yeah no, it's someone asked is uh nuclear badger asked if, are there any adjustments the badgers can make if they have to face Illinois again or against uh, Zach Eady? And uh, someone replied grow question mark. <laughs> and uh, you know, I kind of agree with that. I, I, I do think there probably are basketball things that I'm not smart enough to to realize, but again, you're going to have to make either you let him beat you or you let him toss it out for, you know, guys to shoot from the outside. And that's kind of what their offense is, is, you know, make people collapse and then beat you from the outs uh, to an extent, to an extent, beat you from the outside. And here's the thing, Wisconsin in that game. Yeah, they were three for 24. They still scored 67 points. It's not like they were horrible offensively, but shooting the way they did. If Kobe scores 37 points, there's no way you can beat them. There's, I mean, there's literally just, it's not going to happen. So you need an off night for him. And as I said that night, the only thing that can stop him or appeared to be able to stop him would be exhaustion. And I don't know uh, how you can count on that being a strategy. It's kind of like hope is not a strategy or what, what, what is, what is Paul Chris hope is not a method. Hope is not a method. Yeah. So It's not, but that's kind of what you're at right now because you don't have anybody can match up with them. And almost nobody has anything, anybody that you can match up with them unless you're Purdue. And even Purdue, Kobe had 18 and seven. He was seven for 12 from the field. Uh, they got blown out, but it wasn't necessarily because he had a bad game. Yeah, it, it's a really tough spot for Wisconsin to be in just because for as good as Stephen Crowell has been, <laughs> me, Kofi weighs 285 pounds. Crowell's listed at 234. He's giving up 51 pounds. And Kofi is going to destroy Wisconsin one-on-one in the post. But if you throw another defender at him, it's as you said, then you're opening up looks for Illinois. And the Illini did not shoot particularly well against Wisconsin in that game from three. They went seven for 22. Most of their starters um, weren't very good. But that is one of the things that Illinois likes to do. So you, it's, it is a – it's cliched as it is. It's a pick your poison. Uh, I would tend to want anyone else to beat me – uh, not named Kofi, but I don't know exactly what adjustments you can make when someone is that dominant in the post. Like Purdue was sending guy, extra guys at him, even though they had Zach E or Trevion Williams guarding them, they were sending extra guys at him. So like, this isn't just a Wisconsin issue. And um, even the best bigs still need some help with them. I think grow is probably the best strategy in this situation, or you just go all out. And every time he gets it, you're either double teaming or 
not even triple teaming, but, but helping and putting all the focus on it. But I don't know necessarily that that even, even that will work. Uh, they just, he's just too big, too strong, too good to, and especially against Wisconsin, as we've seen over four times. And it, it's been young guys. It's been old guys. I mean, Michael Potter got destroyed. Nate Reavers got destroyed. Stephen Crowell got destroyed. Chris Moak got destroyed. Like it doesn't matter. It's been a number of guys. They've thrown them at him and it just doesn't matter. So, um, hope is not a method, but it may be against Kofi because I don't know what else you can really do to slow that, that down, uh, try and make his touches further away from the basket, but that's hard. Cause he can back, he can push you around, um, you know, try and front him. But then, you know, there's a lot of, he's such a big guy. You can kind of throw it over the top. It's, there are not a lot of answers to deal with Kobe Coburn other than hope that he graduates and, and moves on, uh, not graduates, but you know, goes to the NBA after this year. I guess the good news is Illinois isn't on the regular season schedule, so it's only going to happen in a Big Ten championship game. Yeah, I, I, I actually kind of would like to see them again. Oh, uh, I would too. Because I don't think Wisconsin shoots three for 24 from three again, and that game would be at home. It would be a little bit different. So, I, I mean, I'd like to see that game again. They're, that's up there, and Iowa's up there. Those two games I'd like to see again. Uh, Chris says, some national media are complaining about the lack of freedom of movement calls. Will games in March be officiated differently than these physical Big Ten games? Will reinforcing that freedom of movement help Wisconsin potentially uh, more Johnny Davis free throws or hurt them because they can't play their preferred style of defense? I think they will be called differently. I think Big Ten basketball is uh, a thing of its own. They get, I don't know. I hope it's more opened up in the NCAA tournament. Will it help or hurt? I don't know how, I don't know. I don't think it's going to make a substantial difference because I think we've seen that Wisconsin can win in a variety of ways against opponents from all sorts of conferences, but I will welcome your perspective on this. So you can tell me if I'm wrong, as opposed to football, college refs are not attached to conferences. I know in football they are, but in, in basketball, I don't think they are. So like, you could see Bo Borowski working a game mm-hmm. in the Big Ten one night and working the ACC or something else the next night. I'm not saying it's not going to be uh, officiated differently, but it feels like, a, I mean, the same refs that are officiating Big Ten games are also officiating games uh, in other parts of the country. Now, certain refs certainly seem to be more prevalent in the Big Ten than others, but um, I, I think it would help Wisconsin because I think uh, Johnny Davis has been, I would say, um, abused is the wrong word, but uh, beat up pretty good in conference mm-hmm. play. There needs to be a lot of contact for them for him to get a call. And I don't know if that'll be the case in the NCAA tournament. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think it would be good for him. Would it be good for the rest of the, the team in terms of playing defense? I don't know the answer to that, but I do think it would be good for Johnny. I don't know. You think? I think that's a reasonable take. Because that's that's a big element of his game uh, is getting to the free throw line. That's how he winds up with as many points as he does. So I think it'll be good for Wisconsin. Yeah. Before we go, before we end the show here, who do you have winning the Big Ten? Well, you know, Purdue beating Illinois really throws a wrench into this. I'm still going to go with Illinois, though. Because of their schedule? I just, just think you think they're better. I just like their team. I just like their team. So remember, we, we talked about the Big Ten or the National Player of the Year rankings with Bart. 
Yeah. Purdue has three of the top 18 in the country. <laughs> Zach Eady, Trevion Williams, and Jaden Ivey are all in the top 18. And I know those that's irrelevant, but when you have three of the best players in the country on the same team, much less three of the best players in the, con- in the conference, compared to what Illinois is working with, with essentially Kofi and I don't want to say guys because they they're they've recruited you know pretty well and there there are a lot of nice players there, but it's very difficult for me to look at that and say Purdue is not the favorite here. You could be right. Illinois got a tough closing stretch. I mean, they've got to play at Michigan State, at Michigan. They've got Ohio State at home. They close at home against Iowa. There's some really good teams left on the schedule. I don't know. Uh, it, at least it's an exciting time with seven or so games to go that. It's it's still wide open with three teams. Yeah, I think I think obviously produce produce thing is going to come down to back to back games. They play at Michigan State on the 26th and then they play Wisconsin on the first. I think those two games could decide it. Certainly for Wisconsin, that's the the must win game. And, and hopefully, you know, in their case to sweep them and, and potentially even maybe even win the Big Ten that day. Uh, if not, then close against Nebraska uh, on the season. I feel, I feel like Wisconsin is probably in pretty good shape uh, if they all they have to do is beat Nebraska on the final day of the season to win the Big Ten or at least get a share of it. But I think it comes down to the end. I, I, I don't know. Just, just four losses win it? Just five losses win it? Uh, I... 14 and oh, six four, won it. Four went, yeah. 14 and six won it two years ago. Yeah, I think it's going to take more than that. I, I think and so Purdue has back-to-back road games, the the Michigan State and Wisconsin. Um, yeah, that's pretty damn tough to close. Yeah, we'll see. Again, Wisconsin going to take on Rutgers this Saturday at home. Certainly feel better about that game than the one that they're going to be at <laughs> Rutgers, where they've already, where Rutgers already beat Michigan State and uh and purdue this year but it should be a fun look this is the best time of year uh coming down the stretch in february into march and uh this is the best time of the year for college basketball it's the time that everybody looks forward to especially once the super bowl is done and all the attention shifts to college basketball uh should be a fun next couple of weeks and into march uh jesse we'll talk next week thank you very much i look forward to it thanks zach all right there he is jesse temple from the athletic you've been listening to the swing